Welcome to the Insurgents Podcast with Frank Viola. And he's brought a friend. This is the podcast that supplements Frank's groundbreaking book, Insurgents, Reclaiming the Gospel of the Kingdom, which is shaking up the Christian world. You can find out details about the book at insurgents.org. Sit back, open all four ears, physical and spiritual, and join the insurgents. Here's Frank. Welcome back to another edition of the Insurgents Podcast. And today, the friend I am bringing with me will be the Holy Spirit. We're going to look at every reference to the kingdom of God in the Gospels. And when we've completed that task, we will then move on to every reference to the kingdom in the rest of the New Testament. And when the smoke clears and the dust settles, we will have looked at every passage on the kingdom of God, every mention of it in the entire New Testament. Now, there are 85 unique and distinguishable references to the kingdom in the Synoptic Gospels. The Synoptic Gospels, of course, are Matthew, Mark, and Luke. And there are three distinguishable references to the kingdom of God in the Gospel of John, making a total of 88 unique references in the Gospels to the kingdom. Now, here's the breakdown. There are 20 references to the kingdom in the Gospel of Mark. There are 11 references to the kingdom found in Matthew and Luke, but not in Mark. There are 32 unique references to the kingdom in the Gospel of Matthew, Matthew only. And there are 22 unique references to the kingdom in the Gospel of Luke and only Luke. And again, there are three in the Gospel of John. And today we're going to look at the first reference to the kingdom in the Gospel of Mark, and we find it in Mark chapter 1, verses 14 to 15. So I'll read those right now. Mark 1, 14. Now, after John was put in prison, Jesus went into Galilee preaching the good news of God. Now, the King James Version, also known as the Authorized Version, states it this way. He went into Galilee preaching the gospel of the kingdom. So, Proclaiming the good news of God is also preaching the gospel of the kingdom. And then in verse 15, this is what Jesus said. The time has come. The kingdom of God has come near. Repent and believe the good news. Now that's the New International Version. The New Living Translation puts it this way. The time promised by God has come at last! Exclamation point. The kingdom of God is near! Exclamation point. Repent of your sins and believe the good news. The ESV puts it this way. The time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. And the New American Standard and the New King James Version also translated as at hand. The kingdom is at hand. And the parallel passage is in Matthew 4 verse 17. From that time on, Jesus began to preach, Repent, for the kingdom of heaven has come near. And in the context, he's talking about John being arrested. From that time on, when John was imprisoned, Jesus began to preach the gospel of the kingdom. The New Living Translation puts it this way. From then on, Jesus began to preach, Repent of your sins and turn to God, for the kingdom of heaven is near. And the ESV puts it in terms of the kingdom of heaven is at hand. Now, I want to make a few points about this opening 
salvo on the gospel of the kingdom that we find in Mark. The first is the timing. We know that Jesus was led by his Father through the Holy Spirit, but God also leads us through circumstances. The signs of the times, so to speak, that Jesus himself referred to are indicators of the Lord's will and purpose. I know in my own life, God speaks to me both through the still small voice, as I've described in the book, Jesus Speaks, but also through circumstances. In fact, very often through circumstances. And here I think we clearly see that the Lord recognized the season. When John the Baptist, who was the first human to preach the gospel of the kingdom, was put in prison, that was the Lord's cue. That was the sign given by the Father that the time was ripe for Jesus to unveil the message of the kingdom of God. The second point, Mark's words are very plain. The time has come. The big day has arrived. The time promised by God has finally and at last arrived. The time is fulfilled. This was the critical moment in the story of Israel. It was a pregnant time in history, for the fullness of time had come. When God begins to act in a new and clear way, bringing his promise of ultimate redemption and salvation to the point of its fulfillment. That was the moment when Jesus came out of the gate saying, a time has come. That was the moment that God's people had been waiting for for so long. And Jesus was bringing news. He was ushering in an announcement. It wasn't a philosophy that he was proclaiming. It wasn't wisdom. It wasn't good advice. It was good news. It was a heralding that something was happening and something was going to happen. Now, in the book Insurgents, I have a chapter called What's Past is Prologue. And a little later, there's one called A Royal Cliffhanger. And these appear within the first hundred pages of the book. And in them, I point out that the prophets of the First Testament, that is what we call the Old Testament, had proclaimed that Israel would experience one day a new exodus in which their God would deliver her from pagan domination. God had promised through the lips of the prophets that he himself, Yahweh, Israel's God, would return to Zion, another word for Jerusalem. He would dwell in his holy temple again. He would cleanse the temple. He would renew the covenant. He would liberate his people. He would restore his image and his authority in the earth. He would set up the Davidic kingdom again, which the prophets said would never end. He would send his servant, his prophet, to liberate his people. Consequently, when Jesus announced that the time had come, everything that the prophets had proclaimed and promised, which left readers and hearers of the Old Testament with a cliffhanger, that explosive message of Jesus Christ is here in Mark chapter 1 and Matthew chapter 4, saying the kingdom is arriving. It's here and it's coming. This was the climax. It was the end and fulfillment of all of those prophetic words throughout Israel's history. But it was also the beginning of a new era. I have another chapter in the book Insurgents entitled, The Time Has Come. With the Old Testament story as a backdrop, Jesus of Nazareth opened his ministry with an earth-shaking bang, saying the time is fulfilled and the kingdom of God is at hand. Repent and believe in the gospel. And I go on to explain the significance and the dramatic dimension of that announcement and what it meant to the first hearers of it as well as to us who live in the 21st century. And so from that point on, 
the Lord Jesus began preaching the gospel of the kingdom and demonstrating it and displaying it. And the message that the kingdom was arriving meant the fulfillment of all Old Testament and Jewish expectations for the society that God has always intended for his people. And it began with those words that I read from Mark chapter 1. Now here's the last point I want to make about this passage. There is a debate among scholars as to how to translate the Greek term that we often see as reading the kingdom has come near or the kingdom is at hand or the kingdom will soon be here or the kingdom has drawn near. And scholars either take the side that the word there can be translated, should be translated at hand, meaning it's near or on the horizon. It's on the verge of arriving. And many translators of the New Testament translate it that way. However, there are other scholars who believe that that is not the correct translation. The correct translation should be the kingdom has come or the kingdom is here, present tense, rather than future tense. And so consequently, the question before us is, does it mean that the kingdom is coming or does it mean that the kingdom is already here? Was Jesus saying that the kingdom had arrived in the present or was about to arrive in the future. And I will share with you my own take on this. I think that both meanings, present and future, are correct and are contained in that word. I had a conversation with biblical scholar Brian Russell about this, and he points out that the word there that's translated at hand is at hand or has come upon you in Matthew 4 and Mark 1 is in the perfect tense. So it can mean has come or is coming. And I believe that the better translation, which captures both present and future meanings, would be to say God's kingdom is arriving. And that is exactly how N.T. Wright translates it in his translation. Turn back and believe the good news, for God's kingdom is arriving. That statement contains both present and future tenses. We know from reading the narrative in the Gospels that when Jesus began his ministry, which is at this very point where the Lord makes the declaration that the kingdom of God was at hand or is here, that Jesus saw the kingdom of God coming within himself. He saw himself as being the incarnation of the kingdom. At the same time, we know that the kingdom of God came in a fuller way at Pentecost when the ecclesia was born and Jesus descended in the spirit, which was only three years later after he said the kingdom of God is arriving in Mark 1 and in Matthew 4. But there's no question that the kingdom had arrived in Jesus himself when he began his ministry. For example, in Luke 11:20, the Lord said, If I am casting out demons by the power of God, then the kingdom of God has arrived among you. Or in the ESV, then the kingdom of God has come upon you. Or in the contemporary English version, it proves that God's kingdom has already come to you. So right there in Luke 11, Jesus is saying the kingdom is here now. And then also in Luke 17, verse 21, the Lord said, the kingdom of God is in your midst. That's the NIV. Or the kingdom of God is already among you. The New Living Translation. Or as the ESV puts it, 
Behold, the kingdom of God is in the midst of you. So there again, Jesus is saying that the kingdom is here. It's in me. I embody the kingdom. I incarnate the kingdom. The kingdom has arrived, yet the kingdom was also coming. And that future coming began on the day of Pentecost, when the Ecclesia was born, God's kingdom society, which we'll talk about in another episode. And then, of course, it will come in its fullness on the last day, with the culmination of history. So, what I want you to take away from this is this one thought. The kingdom of God was the central message of Jesus Christ. We will also see that it was the central message of Paul of Tarsus as well as the other apostles, as I've pointed out in the book Insurgents. The kingdom of God is not separate from his eternal purpose. In fact, it's a central piece of it. And the message of the eternal purpose and the gospel of the kingdom are, in effect, the same message. And the kingdom, sisters and brothers, is here. It is available. You can live in it. You can experience it, you can demonstrate it, you can display it. It is that alternative civilization that we have been talking about throughout this podcast. And if you're new to the show, I again encourage you to listen to all previous episodes. I think we'll leave it there, and in the next episode, we will continue through the Gospels to look at every mention of the kingdom. I think I will probably take one episode to comment on one passage as I have done in this episode and then in other episodes we may take a cluster of passages and sometimes it will be myself and the Holy Spirit other times it will be the Spirit myself and another partner to dialogue with if the podcast blesses you please share it with your friends I will see you in the next episode If you enjoyed this episode, please subscribe to the Insurgents Podcast and give it a five-star review on iTunes. This will help others find it. Also, you can join Frank's unfiltered email list at frankviola.org and receive encouragement, challenges, and insights connected to the gospel of the kingdom. Remember, the Insurgents has begun. Don't miss it. 